Good morning. And welcome to morning prayers. We will begin this morning with a reading from the Black Appleton Chapel Psalter, Psalm number 117, found on page 59. Please stand as you are able. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples. For great is his steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. You may take your seats. Reading from the letter from Birmingham Jail, April 1963. We know through painful experience that freedom is never voluntarily given by the oppressor. It must be demanded by the oppressed. Frankly, I have yet to engage in a direct action campaign that was well-timed in the view of those who have not suffered unduly from the disease of segregation. For years now, I have heard the word wait. It rings in the ear of every Negro with piercing familiarity. This wait has almost always meant never. We must come to see with one of our distinguished jurists that justice too long denied is justice, or too long delayed is justice denied. 
One may well ask, how can you advocate breaking some laws and obeying others? The answer lies in the fact that there are two types of laws, just and unjust. I would be the first to advocate obeying just laws. One has not only a legal but a moral responsibility to obey just laws. Conversely, one has a moral responsibility to disobey unjust laws. I would agree with St. Augustine that an unjust law is no law at all. There ends the reading. As luck would have it, I was teaching Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from Birmingham jail the day after last year's election. Written from memory on scraps of paper following the arrest on Good Friday, 1963, Dr. King's prophetic defense of nonviolent civil disobedience is one of the masterworks of American protest literature. I often return to it in troubled times when the promised land feels as remote as our chances of ever reaching a glimpse or catching a glimpse of it from the proverbial mountaintop. For many of us, November 8th and its aftermath has been a time of trouble indeed. As I looked out that day at my, from my lectern at a sea of shocked and sullen faces, many of them streaming with tears, I was grateful to have Dr. King's brave words to offer my students at a moment when they were experiencing what I've come to call their first real political heartbreak. Some of those faces, I'm not sure how many, belong to immigrants who are undocumented. Like Dr. King, American dreamers in their own right, who are enduring the current regime as a modern reign of terror. As you may recall, the 45th president began his campaign by maligning Mexicans, and has spent much of his time since then targeting whole groups of people immigrants and refugees, women and African-Americans, transgender and queer people, Muslims and the disabled, among others, with a kind of vicious cruelty that seems unprecedented in recent history. Few among us, myself included, have managed to escape his crosshairs. It's as though he's trying to make Martin Niemöller's cautionary creed from Nazi Germany relevant again. Now, I know there's a rule cautioning polite people against talking about religion and politics, and some would say that any talk of politics in a place of religion is a certain form of blasphemy. From time to time, I have been accused of such things in this very space. But this is hardly a time to follow all the rules. Luckily, I come from a working-class Irish and Italian social justice Catholic home. Politics and religion are what we do. So much so that my mother often quips to others that the McCarthys are, quote, unfit for polite company. <laughs> my people come from immigrants, as many of us do, lest we forget that. America is often referred to as a nation of immigrants, and that is partly true. Though the ease with which we so often speak this phrase obscures the many difficulties our ancestors endured as they struggled to dream in America. This, too, is a difficult time for immigrants, a treacherous time and a terrifying time. Last week, the American president, himself the descendant of immigrants who was also married to one, called for the repeal of DACA, 
or Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, a program put in place by President Obama during, the, during his second term. DACA was designed initially as a temporary stopgap measure to protect the hundreds of thousands, scores of immigrant children who came to this country with their parents but without documentation. Its imminent repeal has sent many of us reeling, most of all in this particular community, the undocumented students whose destinies are now being undone by the hateful politics and harsh policies that emanate daily, it seems, from the pulpit of the world's most powerful bully. In these recent days, especially, I've been thinking a lot about the meaning of sanctuary, deriving from the Latin word sanctus, it has come to mean a holy or sacred place where fugitives and other folks with freedom dreams can be immune from arrest, though Harvard has so far refused to designate its campus as such. Many of us, including my brave friend and brother, Reverend Jonathan Walton, and other local faith leaders, have taken it upon ourselves to create unofficial sanctuaries of our own in our classrooms, in our churches, and in other sacred spaces in this community. Indeed, Boston and Cambridge and Somerville and other political jurisdictions have become sanctuary cities, places of political asylum where the most vulnerable among us can seek protection against a prejudicial state. This is not the first time that many of these places have sought to provide such protection. In the mid-19th century, after the passage of the infamous Fugitive Slave Law of 1850, the abolitionist movement worked to offer sanctuary to enslaved people who were escaping from slavery in search of freedom. History offers many examples of abolitionists, black and white men and women, people from various classes, creeds, and conditions who struggled mightily to resist this unjust law and undo the inhumane system of bondage by embracing the higher laws of love and justice. In a speech from July of 1852, Massachusetts Senator Charles Sumner embodied this abolitionist spirit of civil disobedience with these words. Full well I know, sir, the difficulties of this discussion arising from prejudices of opinion and from adverse conclusions, strong and sincere as my own. Full well I know that I am in a small minority with few here to whom I may look for sympathy or support. Full well I know that I must utter things unwelcome to many in this body, which I cannot do without pain. And full well I know that the institution of slavery in our country, which I proceed to consider, is as sensitive as it is powerful. But while these things may properly prompt me to caution and reserve, they cannot change my duty or my determination to perform it. I am ready, if required, to sacrifice. All that I am or may be, I freely offer to this cause. Last week, in the wake of the DACA repeal, 31 Boston area professors, many of them my Harvard colleagues, history and literature well represented in the ranks, <laughs> offered themselves to another cause. In front of the statue of Sumner, they stretched themselves across Massachusetts Avenue, blocked traffic at rush hour, and were arrested and sent to a Cambridge jail in a brave act of civil and nonviolent civil disobedience 
of this most recent injustice. They stood in solidarity with our students against the worst devils of our nation. And amidst the madness of this moment, they channeled the spirit of those movements past that dared to dream of a more loving and just world. And in so doing, they showed us yet again what sanctuary looks like. My prayer this morning is this, that we offer ourselves as freely as we are able to the causes that compel us in the direction of deeper love and broader justice. May we be prepared to disobey whatever uncivil injustices threaten our community and break whatever rules we must, for it is only through solidarity that we can create and sustain sanctuary. May all of us offer ourselves freely and fully to this cause. Please join me in praying together the Lord's Prayer found on the back of your order of worship. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Please rise as you are able for the singing of song number 363 found in the Crimson Memorial Church hymnal, Judge Eternal Throned in Splendor. We will sing the first verse.